0: You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Week Ahead Podcast. Chuck is back uh, after his vacation. Chuck, how did it go?
0: <laughs> um it, you know it's kind of funny I I'm back after my we tried so hard to be like uh I think we tried hard like not to go on vacation because mm-hmm. we usually take a vacation towards the end of summer when softball is done and all the girls activities are done there's just like this two week window where everybody here locally goes on vacation mm-hmm. and uh, you know we have been doing all this moving stuff and getting the old house ready to sell and we we just got to the point where you know my wife was saying oh we should just stay here we should just stay here and like work on things and unpack boxes and-
1: yeah chill out yeah
0: and I, I don't know I just said you know what I I, I vote to leave I, I think we have to go I think we have to get away I think we have to like get somewhere where we can't it's not an option to work here you know like- yeah otherwise it's not going to be a real break yeah otherwise and so um I have a I have a dear sweet aunt in. Uh, Mansfield, Texas, a suburb of Dallas, and we haven't been down there for three years as a family. And I contacted her and said, "Hey, would you be interested in some company?" And she said yes. And so we just kind of snuck down there and hung out for five days, and then cruised back. And it was um, it was very relaxing. I, I shut everything off and just spent some time reading and going to movies mm-hmm. and hanging with the family. So it was a it was a perfect vacation.
1: And you left a series of clues in uh, photographs on your Facebook to try to get people to guess <laughs> where you were, right? It seemed yeah. like some people got it really fast, not me, but...
0: Like right away, yeah. And I didn't... I mean, the first clue was like a skyscraper with um, a, a big Mountain, Mountain Dew poster had. on the side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I'm like, how would, how would anyone guess that? And like right away, one guy literally said, he goes, you're on the 20th story of like such and such building. <laughs> And I was on the 20th story of the building right next door to the building he said. So yes. like, yeah, it's, yeah, I have a lot of Facebook friends and they know the world. So there's so many people uh, across this country who have been so kind to me. And it's one of those things where like, I, wherever I go, I know I'm welcome. Like, I, I like there was someone who sent me a message saying, uh, you know, oh, I, I heard you're in Dallas, Fort Worth area. You know, you're welcome to stay with me and swing by and I'll take you out and da da da. da. And and it's so there's so much kindness that I get. It's just it's endless. It's yeah. it is overwhelming. My wife would kill me if I brought my computer or talked to anyone <laughs> <laughs> remotely related to work uh during that week. So I just try to like stay out of touch, you know.
1: You said you went to some movies. Have you seen the New Born movie yet? Or the Ghostbusters movie? Those are uh, two that are on my list.
0: Oh, really? Okay. I, I skipped Ghostbusters. Oh, I, okay. for some reason had, had low interest. None of the women in that particular movie, um, g- like I'm, I'm not a fan of any of them in particular. Oh, Chuck, and I, you I, are missing
1: I, out. They're no, amazing. I, <laughs> amazing comedic <laughs> actresses.
0: I, I think you're probably right. Just not, you know, I don't know, but I did go to the Bourne movie. Uh, I, I thought it was fun. I didn't think it was amazing.
1: Yeah, I heard it's getting just okay reviews.
0: Yeah, I would say it's just okay. It's – for a summer evening, it's fun. Um, it wasn't like – it's not going to be at my top movies for the year or anything. I did see Hell or High Water, which I have to say was, was getting very good reviews, although it's a rather obscure – it's it's still a mainstream movie, but like it hasn't been to Brainerd. Um, Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it will be, uh, but it it that was very good. It was a kind of a modern Western bank robber kind of movie and very good. I thought it was well acted. I thought it was, uh, I thought the story was good. I thought it was just compelling characters. I, I like the whole thing. I also, uh, I've never been, I never saw the movie Ben-Hur, like the old black and white one. Yeah. And uh, I, but I went to the new one. And it's been getting terrible reviews. Like it bombed, you know. It's all, you know, oh, it's a terrible movie. I liked it. I, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty great. Um, you know, it's an epic. It's a long, uh, a long epic, and uh, you know, a lot of drama. It's very good. But um, yeah, I, I don't have the original as the baseline for me, and without that, uh, I really liked it. I thought it was fun. So
1: you were pretty much checked out um, to take a nice break last week. Did you get a chance to read any of the content we had uh, for Suburban Poverty Week?
0: Uh, I I read a little bit of it. Um, I can't say that I I delved in. I I did notice that you guys were killing it.
1: Yeah, we got more traffic than big box stores a week, which.
0: No, it was, it, it was crazy. And anytime I got near, Uh, any type of like Facebook connection or what have you, where I got like a, 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 just a glimpse of the metrics. I saw, wow, people are, people are really deeply engaged with this content. So great job. I mean, you, this was one that you put together like 98% on your own uh, in terms of lining everything up and, and kind of the focus and the approach and, and yeah, it really resonated with people. And that, that makes me happy. It's a, it's an important topic that we don't spend enough time on.
1: Thanks. Yeah, um, and certainly one that we'll come back to, I'm sure, in the coming months. Uh, one thing that I liked about this past week was that, you know, sometimes when we have a campaign topic, um, I, I always contact all of our writers, um, Johnny, Daniel, Nate, etc., and say like, are you interested in writing on this? And sometimes most people say, no, I don't really feel confident to write on this topic, but this one, a bunch of people, um, from our kind of core writers, uh, stepped up to the plate and wanted to write about it. So that was a good feature of last week, I think. And they put together a lot of great essays on different topics.
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I can see today, like it's still the top. <laughs> you know, the thing that I write generally for Monday is always the top on Monday, um, but it's getting beat out by mm-hmm. all of the stuff from from last week, which, you know, the, the cool thing about it, I mean, I'm looking at my screen and it's got the, the, the live feed of the site. Uh, there's a lot of new readers, mm-hmm. a, a lot of people who have never been to our site before are coming in on some of these posts. And, and I, I think that's great. I, I think it's an opportunity to reach some new audiences with our message and, um you know, uh, resonate with a a broader swath of people. So
1: yeah, my only disappointment last week was that our two podcast interviews kind of fell through. So um, I'm still planning to do the one that I was supposed to do last week. um, And that'll be probably published next week. So keep an eye out for that. Sorry to our podcast listeners that there wasn't as much of a podcast tie in for suburban poverty week.
0: Well, and you can, you can blame me a little bit on that one too. You know, the, the the house is, the the house is on the market now. Okay. Awesome. And I actually, I have two more weeks of, of summer hours, like with the kids being home. (laughs) So like today's my day home with the kids. So I like snuck into the office here for half an hour to record this. And I am going to sneak back home, which is really easy to do now that I live three minutes away. Um, but, uh. But then we get back to school and then I can, like, start scheduling things during normal hours. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to, life just gets a lot easier. Except you
1: know? that you will be so, way busier with travel, right?
0: Yeah, but, you know, I, but when I'm here, you know, the, the kids the, – one of the hard things at the podcast is that there's a lot of, like, logistics around the podcast. You know, you've got to get the equipment set up. You've got to get a sound check. You've got to get the other person hooked in. You've got to check their equipment, make sure it's mm-hmm. all good. And then you know you've got to prep and, and and you you have to be here in an uninterrupted kind of way for you know an hour and a half or more per episode and th- that's just hard it's 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 hard to do in the summer in, in the school year it's easier because I I know you know like no one's going to interrupt me for these eight mm-hmm. hours you know when I'm when I'm in the office so yeah I I think yes we we got a we got a huge travel schedule. I did listen to you and Michelle last week oh. um mm-hmm. we're gonna have some fun you know here uh, the- re- the rest of the year but um in terms of being able to like produce good podcasts it it gets a little bit easier after this week after next week
1: uh Chuck, tell me about your essay that you published this morning about the hot air balloon
0: <laughs> i i you know I listen to a, a lot of economics podcasts, and I also read a lot of economics, uh, just columns and, and authors, and, and you know, people who talk about it. And it's it's one of these things where, like, years ago, I felt like I, I what wasn't making sense to me. Had a lot to do with the finance of our places, but I I didn't I wasn't really conversant in the language, and so I just kind of delved into it and said, I've, I've got to learn this stuff. I've got to be able to speak this language. And the more I've gotten into it, the more um, the more I see that everybody is extremely confident that they know what's going on, even though like the diagnosis that everybody has is is way different. Um, so, it, it you know, and, and economics is wrapped up with politics and they're very closely entwined. And, and, you know, that should give you some pause as well. A few weeks back, I, I heard this one podcast with a demand side, a Keynesian kind of economist, someone who would advocate for large government deficits, uh, you know, huge stimulus packages, and, and that kind of thing, which Iris reflexively uh, have a have a problem with. But this guy explained it in like what I wrote in the piece, the most honest way I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And essentially, if I could summarize it here, I'll say he he said, you know, for the last seventy years, we've been Pumping air into this balloon of an economy, uh, we've been, you know, manipulating the markets. We've been driving things up. We've been, in, in you know, inflating house prices, and we've been, uh, you know, inflating wages, and we've just been creating this huge bubble. And you know, there's a lot of people who want to essentially take the air out of the hot air balloon. We're so high now. If we did that, we would crash, and we would all die. And so the only option we have is to – and literally he said spend trillions and trillions of, of additional dollars that we don't have uh, to keep this going. And it, it, was, it was such a – one of the critiques from the supply side school, the Austrian school of the, uh, the demand side, the Keynesian school is that you know, you're creating all these bubbles. You're distorting the economy and, you know, taking us off into like crazy places. And the, the response is, you know, uh, OK, you know, we're we're here and we have to deal with what's in front of us. And there's kind of a and I think this is the frustrating thing for people like me. There's a discounting of the past, like, uh, you know, OK, fine. You may not like the policy from last year, but we're here. And so we have to do this now. Mm -hmm. it's a little bit like in 2008 when we're told, you know, we got to bail out the banks or we're not going to have groceries on the shelf. And you look and say, well, this just disgusts me. Like I don't want to do this and I didn't want to do it the last time or the time before that, or the time before that, or the time before that, why do we keep having to do this? Um, but yet, you know, here we are again bailing out the banks again. And, you know, this was the first, um, person from this point of view who simultaneously, I think, answered or acknowledged the fact that we've gone like way off the rails. We're way off in in La La Land. Mm -hmm. But his prescription is like, if we don't keep doing this, it's going to end really badly. And so let's do it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, at one point in the interview, and this was not someone who was like a Colbert, like parody of a Keynesian, he was (laughs) truly believe this. At one, year he said, at one point, he said, you know, if we only have eight years of this prosperity left, I'd rather have the eight years than, uh, you know, have the collapse and have us all die today. I'd, I'd rather have eight years of, of prosperity and then collapse than do it today. And of course, you know, he is 40 years older than you. So his mm-hmm. you know, time horizon is going to be different than uh, than people who are not of his generation. Uh, but it just, it, it really stunned me to the point where I, I listened to that podcast over and over and over again, and then downloaded a bunch of other stuff where he has talked and uh, just really delved into it because it was, it was, it was fascinating to me and how honest it was in uh, kind of how screwed up we've, where we are right now.
1: Yeah. But you don't agree with his conclusion.
0: Well, I, I, I don't, Okay. His conclusion, I think, has two parts, and the first part is we're way up in the air in this hot air balloon, and if we just let all the air, you know, if we just stop like putting hot air into this balloon, we're going to crash and we're going to die. I, yeah. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I, I think that we are in a crazy, distorted economy, and I do think that you know the the analogy that I've used in the past is the the, the drug addiction. I mean, we're when when the economy has crashed we've given it painkillers and now we're so strung out on painkillers I and mean, we have to have 0% interest rates we have to have continued quantitative easing we have to have all this stuff in order just to keep like a modest amount of economic prosperity going if you start to pull back on that in his analogy start to let you know the hot air dissipate or in my analogy you know go through withdrawal go cold turkey you could kill the patient. I mean, you could end up gone. Um, yeah. what, where I disagree with him, where I struggle is then he goes the opposite, you know, like the thing is then, you know, to give like lots of drugs or to, you know, fill the balloon even more full of air, like get another, uh, you know, bigger heater and try to heat even more air because we got to get higher and higher. and. I keep going back to Tomas Sedlacek that I talked about earlier this year and the idea that what we've really done is we've traded stability for growth. We wanted growth so bad we were willing to give up our stability. And in order to get to where we need to be, we actually need to flip that. We actually need to buy stability by giving up some growth. And you know we're going to start talking here in September about the upcoming election season and the implications for infrastructure spending, I, I think we have a general consensus nationally among not only our major political parties but but all the people who are really running in a major way that we need to spend trillions on infrastructure. and you know I, I think that that is giving more drugs, that is you know putting more hot air in the balloon. I think we should delve into that and talk about it because if it's a fait accompli, if it's going to happen, there are ways to do it that are really going to screw things up and there ways to do it that will only, like, you know, hopefully screw them up less.
1: I was, um, I was at drinks last night with my boyfriend and a friend and we were talking about politics, as you do this time of year, and both of them were really getting excited about infrastructure spending. And we're like, okay, we need more jobs. You know, we have all these like blue collar workers that are out of work. Like we need to just pump the economy with infrastructure money, all this stuff that we've talked about at strong towns. Um, and I'm like in my strong towns response, but we don't have money to do that. You know, where is going to be the trillions of dollars to do that? Um, both of them are like, well, you know, just add it to the national debt. Um, and i said well you know we already have so many trillions of dollars in debt how are you going to add to that um meanwhile they respond like you know national debt is different than personal debt it's it's a totally different type of thing we can just keep adding to it um i don't know i mean obviously it is different from personal debt but what is what is your response to that i mean what what happens at you know, when does it become too much debt? Like, what, what do you think happens to the United States?
0: Well, this is the inflection point. And I, I think this is the real interesting, you know, interesting spot that we're in, because in, in prior economic systems, let's say, uh you would invest in infrastructure in order to grow richer. You know, you would uh, build that bridge because it would create a return on investment, and that return on investment would not only allow you to pay back the money you spent building the bridge, but it would also give you a whole bunch more wealth that would then make you better off. Those types of investments are incredibly logical; they make a, a ton of sense. Borrow money if if you can, if you can borrow money, make uh, you know a hundred million dollar investment in a piece of infrastructure, and get you know $400, $500 dollars in cash back. Uh, do it. I mean, you're, 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 you're winning, right? Like that works. Mm -hmm. The, The problem is that we are, you know, the way we build doesn't do that. A B what we're really talking about now in terms of infrastructure spending, you know, we fix our rotting infrastructure when you go out and you have a bridge that's falling down and you replace that bridge, you've not created any new wealth. You may have hired a few people to, you know, to build the bridge and that's great. I mean, give them a job over the short term and, you know, by the uh, the, the trickle down government theory, uh, you know, they'll go out and buy things and they'll go out and buy things and then that will create demand and those people will go out and buy things. And yeah, it's this virtuous effect. OK, mm-hmm. but nothing new is being built. Like we're not creating any new wealth. We're not making the city richer we're or new property putting, taxes. Exactly. We're just putting back the bridge that is there. That is a way, way different thing than, say, you know, putting in a new bridge to a new place and, and now you're going to develop and now you're going to build. Um, so the, the problem, the fundamental problem we have as a country is that the stuff we are building, the stuff we have built, that now we're trying to figure out how do we go back and, and fix – it it, it created great transactions, right? Like, um, you know, realtors sold homes, uh, builders built homes, Mm -hmm. sheetrock guys hung sheetrock, you know, uh, concrete layers put in foundations and and abutments. And, you know, it was a great transaction, but it, it didn't build enough wealth to actually sustain itself. And now what we're doing is we're actually planning to go out and just replace this stuff, like fix it, and it's going to create even less wealth the second time because you don't get to now build that house again or build that big box store again or you know doing that. You're ju- you're just basically like putting back what's there. It's like you know re-roofing your house. Your house doesn't become worth more because you re-roof it. It will become worth less if you let the roof collapse. But it's not like your house is worth twenty thousand more because you you went out and put a new roof. in. that's just maintenance. That's just like taking care of stuff. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to have to come to grips with is the fact that we've created all this stuff that doesn't generate any wealth, that that doesn't create enough wealth to sustain itself. And now if we're going to go borrow trillions of dollars uh, to just, you know, essentially fix the roof, like put, in, do, do maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to, not only are we not generating more wealth, but we're, we're going even further in the hole. Now the, the keynesians the demand side you know deficit spend people which sounds like some of your friends were mm-hmm. th- their argument is that it doesn't matter and you know this richard duncan in the article i wrote said you know we, we could probably borrow 20 trillion to 30 trillion more dollars and it wouldn't create any inflation and it wouldn't it wouldn't do anything it would be just fine like everything would be great and so why not do it why not spend 5 trillion on infrastructure we'd be way better off mm-hmm. and that, that that's a that's a theory of government and that's a theory of economics that uh a lot of people believe in uh it's never been tried before um it's never been done before um it's never been done uh you know anywhere uh, ever um will it work i guess i won't stand here and say you know i'm absolutely confident that it will not work mm-hmm. um we certainly are you know have borrowed way more than i thought we ever could yeah um but if it doesn't work, you are, as Richard Duncan says, you know, in a hot air balloon way up in the sky with uh, all the air coming out. And the the, the the Nassim Taleb part of me says, my gosh, that just seems like a huge risk. I, I mean, it, it it seems like a crazy way to run an economy um, and, and like a very risky way. Especially when you step back and you look and you say, "Okay, well, we we we're really trying to have it so you know we can spend all this money building this infrastructure. So what? So you can, you know, drive across town, you know, thirty seconds quicker. So you can, um, you know, not walk three blocks to the store, but instead have a big parking lot there. You, you see what I'm saying? The prosperity that comes out the other end is completely disproportionate." Mm-hmm. to the level of risk that we're taking. Yeah. And and that's where I just, I gag on the whole thing. You know, I, 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 I struggle with all of it because it is an enormous, enormous risk. For what? You know, for, yeah. for what? What do you get?
1: I agree with you on that, that there's a disproportion between what you would spend on it and what you get out of it eventually. Um, except for things that I love, like rail i'd be willing to bank on that
0: well that's the that's the catch right you know everybody has their pet thing that they like
1: okay but you're saying that we've never tried this before but aren't there like tons of countries that are in huge amounts of debt and we've been in debt for a long time like we we've tried that we've been trying that
0: yes no we we've all tried that before um and and it's not worked out well. I mean, there it's it's well documented in numerous ways that you know once you get up to certain levels of debt to GDP, and you know you you have market forces on your interest rates um, pushing interest rates up. I mean, right now, if our interest rates essentially normalized to where the federal government was paying you know five percent on the national debt instead of less than one percent. You would have another couple trillion dollars in interest every year. I mean, we, we, we would we couldn't keep up. There's no way. And so, you know, that has been pretty well established. What what hasn't been established is whether we can continue to take on debt without interest rates going up. And that's what you know, Duncan and Krugman and others have been arguing is the new paradigm we're in. We have globalization. Globalization is driving down the cost of labor. This whole Trump revolution we're having where everybody's upset about immigrants and uh, you know free trade and what have you, it is a reaction to the fact that uh, we have deflation in wages, uh, but we have inflation in like core assets like your house. So your house is going up but your salary is not. That is a byproduct, according to Richard Duncan, of, of globalization. And essentially it's an it's an endless bottomless pit at this point that we can just keep dumping money into um, you know american printed dollars out of thin air we can just keep dumping money into and not have to worry about because there's hundreds of millions of of, of indians who will work for 3 dollars a day and there's you know hundreds of millions of uh, of chinese who will work for 5 dollars a day and as long as that continues uh, there's no end to the amount of money we can print. that That's the theory. And, you know, the, it, to me, it's distasteful on, on many accounts. But that is the theory under which, you know, we're going to undertake massive infrastructure spending. So we'll have a follow up post from you on this
1: topic. I'm sure one of many. Um, let's switch gears to talk about upcoming events next week you and I'm coming with are headed to Rockford, Illinois. Tell me about that event.
0: I'm really, really excited about it because we've got some great members there that have wanted for a long time to push this up. I I, I know this has been on the calendar kind of tentatively a, a number of times. I want to say since last mm-hmm. November and it's kept kind of gotten moved back, moved back, moved back because we've, you know, logistically trying to work it out. We've now got the date. We've now got the time um, and people there are really really excited. They're doing a lot to push it. And I can't wait. I can't wait to go there. I can't wait to go and and see all of our members and, uh, and share this message. You know, it's going to be a lot of fun and you'll be there. So to be even better.
1: Yeah. And, uh, we might do some videotaping, um, of these, a lot of the event is going to be centered on walking tours of different parts of the town of Rockford. So, um, we might be able to videotape, tape some of that and share it. Um, I'm also really excited to meet two of our really active Strong towns members there who I have not met before. So that will be fun. Um, then you're headed to Minneapolis. I am. I'm heading home. What is happening in Minneapolis?
0: I'm heading home through Minneapolis and then I'll just stay over there. Um, it, it, I, I can't remember what the name of the group is. It's a, like a utility group. It's like a professional organization of people who do like water systems kind of thing. And they want me to come in and give a curbside chat. And I know there'll be a few hundred people there, uh, people who are in the biz uh, doing like the, in the trenches kind of design stuff. And I'm real excited to kind of show them some of the numbers because a lot of people who do water um, and you, you know, the underground utilities, uh, their stuff is uh, amateurized over such a long period of time that they tend to just look at how to get it paid for and then forget about it because like literally there's no way in their career they'll be going back to to do something twice it just lasts so long it's always fun to me or always interesting to me to get these people in a room and say look um you know let's uh let's actually um you know look at the way some of this math works out over the long term so yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to that one, too. That'll be a lot of fun here in my home state.
1: That'll be a cool audience to present to. That's the American Public Works Association Expo. Yeah. I'm sure you did some interesting reading over your break. Yes. Any cool books that you yeah. want to recommend?
0: Well, I, OK. I saw that there's a new Jack Reacher movie coming out, uh, the Tom Cruise, and I, I, w- I went to the last one. and I really liked it. I have to say I, I did not realize, and this is because i'm I'm not a fiction reader really uh I didn't realize that it's a book series, and someone told me that, and so I thought, okay, over break, so I read two uh Jack Reacher books, which were a lot of fun I mean they're just like um you know kind of action action books fiction and aren't there like fifty of them or something? Oh yeah, no, there's a lot, which is kind of cool because I'm like wow, I've got a lot of <laughs> I've got a lot of fun reading I can do now um a, a number of our members uh last towards the end of last year and then early this year recommended like a, a bunch of books to me uh between the world and me was one of them uh i I finished that I, I'd kind of been stopping starting stopping starting that one um but I finished it, but I only finished it after I read uh the new Jim Crow uh which is a book about mass incarceration and I know we talked a little bit about the world in me before, and I said I was struggling with it because it just didn't it it it, it was tough for me. I was trying to be empathetic, I was trying to be understanding, but it, it really um like that part of my brain doesn't always work as fluidly. The the new Jim Crow was more of like a, a technical recitation of the facts and, and more of like an an analytical um, nonfiction kind of book as opposed to, a, you know, a personal testimonial. And I walked away from that just stunned. Like I, like I'm, uh, you know, it, it, I spent much of last week just thinking about it and the implications of it. And, uh, really, um, mm-hmm. am glad that I, glad that it was recommended to me and glad that I put it towards the top of the list. Um, I'm also about halfway through a book called seeing like a state, it's uh It's another one that our, our, uh, one of our members kept recommending to me, like over and over. We'd be chatting on Slack somewhere, and he'd say, "Seen like a state, you got to read it." And then, you know, like three <laughs> weeks later, seen like a state, you need to read it. And uh, I finally like added to my list, and I've been going through it, and it's it it is is very good. It's very interesting. So, yeah, but the new Jim Crow that will be, I mean, that will be my top book of the year right now. It's it's a uh, very had a very deep impact on me and we should actually talk about it at some point. At least.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I own that book, but I have to admit I have not read it yet. So heard many, many people talk about it.
0: You've read between the world and me though, haven't you? Yeah. Well, that one's shorter. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing I, I, I do think that between the world and me is a very, I mean, it's incredibly well-written. It's really passionate you know, it's an emotionally written book. There's a certain like Myers-Briggs type to use my language. There's a certain type of person, right? Who is really, that is like very compelling to. And I I do think, you know, knowing you and knowing me, I do think that that is a book like more aimed towards you. Um, Yeah. the, The new Jim Crow is like the, you know, the geek version of that. It's like the, okay, here's the technical data. And here's the history. And here's how, you know, A led to B led to C led to D. And here's how that intersects with one, two, three and four. And that is like a book for a different kind of person.
1: And that's mm-hmm.
0: that's like my kind of book. Right. Like I, like I totally get into that. Um, so I,
1: I, yeah, I don't. That's legit. I'm glad I'm glad it worked for you and I should still read it. I definitely want to read it.
0: Well, I I felt guilty about not and not liking between the world and me because like Grayson read it and Grayson, you know, emailed me and said, I'm so happy you're reading that book. It means a lot to me. You know, like I think you'll really enjoy it. And and I did. not It didn't resonate with me, but the new Jim Crow really did. And I I think it did because my mind is maybe just a, a little bit different, you know? Yeah, definitely.
1: All right. Well, we'll wrap it up for today. But we'll have a new podcast for you, I promise, on Thursday. So uh, take care, everyone, and have a great week.
0: We need your help. If you think the Strong Towns message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign up to be a member of Strong Towns at strongtowns.org.